a five. Chris, the topic we will be discussing today is design a sequence of devious dungeon traps. Ooh, devious. Devious, yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Um, and Andy, so I I wanted to bring up something um, with you today. Um, so listeners, have, I'm nervous. But go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you should be too nervous. Um, yeah, so I, I've picked back up the, the Silmarillion um, oh. as a, an audiobook. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I've mentioned it to a few people. So I'm listening to it, um, and I should really know who the the reader is, but the reader is doing an admirable job with all the uh, the pronunciations of the various names. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's really good, and I think this is actually working um, a bit better for me than trying to actually read the, the paper book itself. Um, yeah, yeah. So have you ever listened to any, any Tolkien um, audiobooks? I have that? never listened to a Tolkien audiobook, no. Okay. Do you? Are you like a... A dead tree book purist like do you not count audiobooks as real books no i'm not a purist uh, but 98 percent of my reading is dead tree reading uh, audiobooks i enjoy but i don't do too well at like um like spending like 15 minutes and then having to st- stop because i arrived at my destination in the car and okay like just driving places and running errands is the way i would be able to experience an audiobook and that would that's a less than wonderful ex- storytelling experience for me. How about you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you fill that time with podcasts, then? Sounds like. Yeah, you know, a podcast or, or just music is easier to stop and start because I am less at risk of really getting into something and then having to stop it. It, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. Yeah, I used to do more audiobooks back when I had like a um, a proper driving commute. There's something, yeah, something about like that, knowing that I had a half an hour in the car or something like that made it a little bit easier to, to say, mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm going to commit to an audiobook. Because, I mean, you're looking at like 40 hours of, of you know, of that experience for yep, a lot yep. of books, you know, especially for, you know, like Lord of the Rings or whatever. So I did uh, the the job that, the second job we worked together, I think that's the first time that I got through Lord of the Rings um, oh, really? in audiobook format. Yeah. Hey, that's fantastic. I have to say the idea of listening to the Lord of the Rings read out loud to me, it sounds wonderful. I, I mm-hmm. mean, in in principle, these sound amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sort of the thing. But yeah, you do have that scenario where it's like yeah, you get your get to your destination. And if you're in the middle of like, yeah, I don't know, a song that the Ents are singing or something like that, you have to decide <laughs> yeah. are you going to just cut them off, you know, cut them off mid, <laughs> mid-verse or are you going to sit in the parking lot and finish it up? Right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so I'm doing that, and then um, I think I also mentioned I just started reading uh, Les Mis. I'm not even going to try to say the, the full. <laughs> I'll just yeah. butcher the French. Um, that was on a total whim. So I just I picked up an e-reader from from a mutual friend of ours, um, and I was looking for like anything just to sort of test it out. Uh, and that that popped up, and I was like, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. Like it's it's thirty thousand pages long or whatever, yeah. you know. So we'll see how far I get. But I'm really enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. So. I have fond memories. I read that in high school, and I have mm-hmm. very little memories of specific story details. Okay. But I remember really enjoying it, and I love the musical and the music yeah. from that musical, too. So Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm a big fan of the musical, although I couldn't tell you how any of the, the songs relate to each other <laughs> in the form <laughs> yeah. of a plot. But that's, you know, <laughs> that's how musicals are sometimes. 
Um, yeah, so I, I'm actually wondering, did, did you read the full version of it? Like, I, I think there's some, like, abridged versions out there. I did, yes. Uh, when I was younger, I was more snobby about this sort of thing. So if yeah. I had seen abridged, I would have, like, turned up my nose at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These days, as, you know, the countdown timer to the Great Void ticks down, <laughs> I might be more up for reading an abridged version of certain specific extremely long often <laughs> russian written novels but yes. yeah yeah so you're doing the whole deal right yeah and we'll see i'm i'm making no promises that i will finish it but i'm going to read it as long as i'm enjoying it so it's it's the whole the whole thing and the translation i don't know again i should know who who did the translation i'm sure there's like there's people that are like well you we can't read that translation it's trash right you gotta use, <laughs> use this one no and doubt for further other people are like why are you not reading it in the original french it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right so i was gonna ask do you listen on on a regular basis to any rpg actual plays you know, I used to do the Adventure Zone. Um, I've sort of dropped off on that, although I, I want to pick it up with the the latest one. Um, but other than that, not really. Like, I'll dip into stuff here and there. But yeah, I mean, I think this sort of relates back to just general attention span issues for me. It's like, yeah, like really grabbing onto one of those and like sticking with it is, is a little bit hard for me. Hard for me to do. Yeah. yeah, I just thought of that while you were talking. We were talking about the the joys of hearing a a particularly suitable book uh, mm-hmm. spoke read out loud. You know, we have such, I mean, this whole hobby is is this own weird niche within the kind of oral tradition, you know, oral storytelling tradition. Yeah. And it's a little weird to me sometimes. I wish I enjoyed listening to people play more because it seems mm-hmm. like such a pure form of creative storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly enjoyed certain podcasts or whatever, but as a general thing, I have not really gotten into any audio rpg let's plays and that surprises me hmm. yeah do you think it's is it just the the whole thing you just sort of bounce off of or do you think there's going to be one that will finally grab you i don't know i keep thinking i keep you know i'm always open for recommendations because i'm mm-hmm. always open to the idea that there is one out there that will really grab me i just mm-hmm. haven't found it yet and yeah. i have to say i have genuinely enjoyed a good number of actual plays that i've listened to just <clears> not quite enough to be a diehard fan Maybe we need to, I mean, talking about our, our design challenge about traps, maybe we need to trap you um, on yeah. Roll for Topic by, yeah. by making you create the actual play that you would listen to. Do you think that there's something about the style, do you think there's something about a role-playing game that makes it less compelling to listen to than, you know, a book like Lord of the Rings or Les Miserables? I, like, I've wondered, is the fact that that there is only a very loose direction and end point in mind. Does that hurt the experience of listening to it? Not that it is not knowing for sure exactly where it's going or, or having a sense of the trajectory. Does that hurt, hurt the mm. listening experience or am I just grasping for excuses? You might be grasping for excuses, but I, I think to me, the thing that always makes me like stop and be like, do I really want to try try this actual play is the the trust in the people that are playing hmm. right because it's like it's a it's a performance at that point you know it's a different kind of thing than playing at the table with your friends right like you are you're trusting them to perform 
this game in a way that's engaging, yeah. <laughs> engaging in a way that your friends might not be able to, to, to pull off. Um, and I think that's fine. I think that these are like two separate, I mean, call them disciplines, call them styles, whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, like that's, that's totally okay. Uh, that they, yeah, that your game has a different, um, different goal in mind than an actual play. Right. So like for me, it's like, if I'm going to sit down, I'm going to listen to this for even an hour or so. Like I need to trust that this is going to land emotionally for yeah. me. Right. You know, like, whereas, yeah, if you're sitting down to listen to Lord of the Rings, like you're, you know that it's good, right? Like, you yeah. know, that this is going to be a worthwhile investment um, of your time, uh, your time, and your, your energy to listen to this whole thing. Yeah. And I wonder for me, at least when I'm playing in a game or running a game for people, I'm not, I'm not evaluating the the story or the performers mm-hmm. with anything like the sort of critical eye you take to a movie or to a book or something that you've experienced. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to an actual play, it's it's hard. It has just enough of a, a veneer of like kind of professional performance to it, no matter how amateur the actual play is, that it's impossible not to be like, oh, that person isn't doing a very good job of playing their character or this GM is making these mistakes and the story is suffering <laughs> as a result, you know, and, yeah. uh, not that it's all negative. Like some of the critiques I have might be positive. Like this person's doing a really good job or they have an amazing voice for that character. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that's a different experience. And as soon as I feel like I'm, I don't know, very few games, even pretty professional ones can really, withstand the sort of critical scrutiny we bring that we are accustomed to bringing to you know massive hollywood productions Mm -hmm. uh, or or great books by famous writers and that that hurts it for me even while i realize that i'm bringing an unfair perspective to the whole proceedings yeah that's a really good point yeah i wonder if it is that um like that that sort of criticism I don't know. It's a little bit easier to do even at the table, I think, of yourself. Like when I'm playing, I will often like, I don't know, I have critiques over decisions and stuff that I make in character, Mm -hmm. you know, all the time. But it's sort of like, well, that's the decision that you made, right? And you can kind of live with it. But yeah, if you're if you're one step removed, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to not like backseat GM when I'm playing a game anyway, yeah. <laughs> right? So then like having even that removal of like, well, I mean, I'm not going to do that because that's, you know, that's my friend John who you're my friend Matt who's running yeah. the game, right? Like being like, oh, there's some sort of celebrity who's recorded their voice who's like 3,000 miles away from me. I can I can critique them and be like mad at them all, all I want because like they're not, I'm, I'm not treating them as a real person uh-huh. <laughs> at that point. I'm treating them as a performer, which is a different, different relationship. Um yeah, so I don't know. Maybe there's just something about gaming that invites you to think about like how how you would make the decisions differently. Ooh, yeah, right? very yeah. much so. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if you want to do that and you're trying to listen to someone else making all the wrong decisions, <laughs> it's hard to sit back and just let them let them do it and trust it's going somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to our topic. But I just want to say, Chris, you have bitten off an almost comically large bite there with Lord <laughs> with the Silmarillion and Les Miserables. I mean, both of those are in the, you know, door stopper yeah. variety, something you could use to prop open a large door mm-hmm. or something <laughs> or to hold up a table. That, uh, so yeah. I, I will be impressed. The farther you get into each of those, the more impressed I will be with you. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, the last book I read was a, a business book about the Strengths Finder. Um, Oof. Like, 
<laughs> thing, right? So, which has a terrible, t- what's the title? It's like, uh, like <laughs> now discover your strengths, I think is the, the name of it. <laughs> so I'm going from that to, to this. this is, uh, it's a little bit of whiplash, but it's good. <laughs> yeah. And without further ado, shall we jump into the trap of our topic here yes. of our design challenge today? Yes, let's do it. I certainly feel ambushed by this <laughs> design challenge. Yeah, as you should. I mean, you rolled on a table and you, you came up with the worst one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's right. So we have to design a sequence of devious dungeon traps so that, correct me if I am misstating here, so we're dealing with sort of a a D&D type environment because of the dungeon or not necessarily? Yeah, I mean, I guess not necessarily, but maybe maybe we could just to um, contrain us. I'm trying to think of like the last couple couple of these we've done. I think we veered away from fantasy, so maybe we get we get a chance to jump back into, <laughs> into Yeah, that. for sure. Okay. Okay. And yeah. then a sequence uh, of traps suggests, you know, we're designing more than one trap. And I'm assuming mm. these are not traps just like you step on the pressure plate and a spike pops out at you right we're talking a little bit more like encounters and less like one shot triggers Mm. or something right i mean maybe but i'm I'm always a big fan of just like yeah you stepped on the wrong thing so maybe we we can have like one of those okay yeah okay Um, that's good that's good so shall we say we'll we'll come up with three ish traps in sequence Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's good and then the one thing that i want to avoid so last year i started reading through um tomb of horrors yeah, just to sort of like get yeah. an idea of what what that was all about, because I was like, oh, maybe I'll run it; it'll be super fun. And I decided that no, this would not actually be fun. Yeah, uh, right. You know, because like a lot of the traps in there are sort of just like, I mean, you're just going to die if you do the wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the wrong thing with it. So maybe we could. I, I think for me, the one thing that I want to say is any of the traps should be able to be like should be able to get around them as long as you're paying attention or otherwise you know making the right logical leaps it, it can't just be like a okay well you went down that hallway and every every stone in that hallway was a pressure plate that was gonna you know kill you <laughs> kill you dead sure yeah well you know this first of all yeah tomb of horrors is kind of a an interesting module that really has been done a disservice by being released in the same format as other just hey here buy this adventure and run yeah. it for your pals right yeah and the secondly, yeah, there's something funny about, you know, dungeon traps. You know, I think all of us, it wouldn't be too hard for us to think of a truly inescapable trap, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. But we have, you know, over the decades, how many necromancers and liches and dungeon lords have created traps that are just a little bit more survivable than they need to be if the person yeah. had put a little more thought into it. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. So, but I agree with you. It's not fun at all if it's a mm-hmm. if it's just a pit and it fills with molten lead and you all die with no saving throw, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So let's see. Let's, yes, think about that. So like uh, some sort of dungeon, um, do we want to maybe... Maybe let's say that it's a it's a constructed dungeon, right? So it's not just okay. like a, a series of caves, or something yep, like that. Yep. So there's some intent behind it. Um, and I mean, I know we're just kind of like we're we're joking about necromancers and liches and stuff like that. But like, can we have someone sort of at the end end of the dungeon? Do you want to have someone at the end of the dungeon, or should it be like uh, someone constructed this thing and then walked away from it? I I am intrigued by the idea that there's a person at the end of it because yeah, I kind of want to know what. The- what they're doing in there and why they're surrounded by lethal traps yeah it's uh i mean this is like the you know just to bring up video games like the the 
I mean, a lot of video games have this sort of setup where there's like this, yeah, lethal series of traps and jumps and platforming and like, you know, enemies and stuff like that. And then at the end of it, you get to like this room that a boss has just sort of been sitting in waiting (laughs) for you. And it's like, like, why? Like, what? Is there a back entrance? Like, do you get to take a break? Do you just lock in this room? Like, yes. Who's who's the real prisoner here? Occasionally you'll read a module where the author was clearly bothered by how would all of these monsters live in this trap-filled dungeon? Yeah. And so just seeing the efforts they have to go to to provide, like, back entrances and <laughs> things like that, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have someone at the end of this. And should we say it's, I mean, should we say it's D&D-ish, mm-hmm. like fantasy then, or? Yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's, let's stick with that. Yeah, okay. So there's someone at the end of it. Maybe that some, someone has something that, you know, the, the players want. Um, the, yeah, which... Could we make it something cool? I, okay, so I know we just said D&D fantasy-ish, but can we, like, insert a mech suit <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> at the, the middle? I don't know why I'm thinking about that. Well, yeah, I no, I, I'm thinking about that because of Final Fantasy VI has a lot of, like, fantasy tropes in it, but then it also has these, like, mech suits that yeah. can jump in every once in a while. Uh-huh. So I think it'd be yeah. fun if they get to the end of it and then, you know, because they, they need this thing for something. <laughs> All right, yeah, so there's yeah. A, a mech is somehow involved in our sequence yeah. of traps. It, it, the okay. exact way will be determined in the next couple of minutes, listeners. So, okay. Hey, yeah, before so we before we jump in, though, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Do you have a favorite trap from like just any media? So, movie, video games, etc. Like a favorite? Uh, oh, favorite trap. I mean, like so it's got to be something from Indiana Jones, and I'm mm. trying to think if it is the. You know, like the golden idol trap, right? Like where yeah. he has to, like you know, yeah. switch that or anything from like, or basically just the sequence of traps from uh, Last Crusade. I think okay, so I respect the golden idol trap with the, you know the giant rolling ball a lot, but I think the coolest one from the Last Crusade is the the like invisible bridge. Yeah, he just has to like he has to figure out and then just sort of like take that step of faith. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember watching that movie in the theater when it came out, and oh. these days CGI would make that, I suppose, a a pretty unremarkable scene. But man, when that camera pans and you see the bridge, oh, man, that was mad. That was magic right there. It's so good. Yeah, I'm like Harrison Ford like sells it so well too. Right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, talk about like such a simple setup for. I don't know, cinematography yeah. and stuff. But then, yeah, okay. So that's my favorite. That's one that I think about quite a bit. Um, yeah, well, yeah. let me comment your... on that one a little bit too because one of the things that makes that sequence of dead of devious traps, you might even say, so compelling mm-hmm. in Last Crusade is that they are all kind of thematically united. They are all sort of thematically united in like ideas or concepts or clues that Indiana Jones has been gathering throughout his adventures, right? Yeah. So basically he remembers the the key phrase to get him through that inspires him to find a way through each trap. And that that's probably a little bit beyond what we can expect from a typical D&D dungeon, but that certainly makes that trap sequence compelling in Indiana Jones, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like every every one of those steps is all about like humility and <laughs> and faith and stuff. And then so then the Nazis get to the end of it and they're like, Of course, it's the like the golden chalice. Of, yeah. You know, Rubies is like, How were you not paying attention to what you just went through? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like, well, it's yeah. like a wonderful statement of, you know, these yeah. are the the virtues that Indiana Jones has to learn mm-hmm. to embody, and they're the opposite of the traits of the villains. And that's why yeah. the villains can never make it through these traps. And there's all of sorts course. of, you know, just 
decapitated Nazis, I think, if I recall, next to one yeah. of the traps. So, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So on that fun note, so like maybe let's try to rip off at least that idea a little bit. So like we, we have some sort of like technomancer who has a giant cool mech at the end of this thing. So maybe all of the traps should relate back to that in some some way. I don't think we we don't have the range to really come up with like a, a metaphysical connection <laughs> between yeah, all those sure. metaphysical or emotional. Like maybe you know, like maybe if we're thinking about the like um, like the classic, you know, you step on the wrong thing uh-huh. and like you know spikes come out. Like what if instead of that, it's like yeah, you step on the wrong thing and it's like uh, bolts of electricity or like lightning bolts kind of like shoot through, yep. <laughs> shoot through a room. Let me throw out a, a general trap comment here, just as we begin brainstorming. I think that, uh, here I go bringing up video games and specifically Dark Souls again, but think how many mm-hmm. traps or the surprises there are in the Dark Souls, across the Dark Souls games. Yeah. And one of the things that's fun about probably two-thirds of those traps is that you know it's a trap, that mm. there's... Often there will be player messages on the ground saying something to the effect of trap ahead or ambush Mm -hmm. ahead, something like that. But the game entices you to step into the room anyway. Mm -hmm. And it even encourages you to try and think about what the trap is going to be. And it's never what you are expecting, right? You You are never quite prepared for whatever it is. But the game gives you gives you time to sit there and be like, all right, that Clearly something's going to jump out or the floor is going to cave in or something like that when I step forward to reach my goal. And I'm kind of intrigued by that idea of like, yeah, this is this is clearly a trap. But what you want is so important that you can't not step forward and reach for it. Yeah, that's a super good point. And um, you know, so for those who haven't played Dark Souls, like, yeah, oftentimes like you you're given a hint that there's something that's going to yeah happen up ahead you know you still have to go in the room and you still end up getting hit by it, right? <laughs> yes. You know, so like obviously in D&D, like, right, we might want to, you know, back off on that. Like you, you're going to get hit by it no matter what. <laughs> but yeah, so like I'm wondering, like, so maybe with this trap um, that I'm talking about with like lightning bolts or electricity or something yeah. like that, like maybe you, maybe you approach a hallway that is like unnaturally dark in front of you. Hmm. And like you, or maybe it's like, you know, there's, there's a hallway. So you're on one end of it and like, there's some light and stuff. And then there's just this dark hallway, but then there's a light at the the opposite end. So you have sort of a magical darkness spell sort of cast in between, in between this, um, this area. So if you step on, step on like the, the right plate, it like all the lights turn on. You step on the wrong one lightning bolts go back and forth oh, interesting. Uh, yep. yeah in it in some in some way right it's like you need light you need light to get across right so you have you have the opportunity to um yeah to to like yeah turn on those lights in some way um but yeah i feel like i'm missing there's there's a good hook here that i'm kind of missing about this yeah, yeah. so here i find kind of pressure plate type traps in rpgs to be a little tough to run mm-hmm. um on the one hand, I, I feel like sometimes the presence of those things or the threat of those things causes PCs to, to be unrealistically evaluating like the floor in a way that mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't in real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, those those are hard to... I'm, I guess I'm never quite sure the best way to adjudicate that sort of thing. Do I just roll randomly to see if they stepped on the wrong one or... Mm-hmm. Um, 
don't know. So maybe we could talk a oh. little bit about how if if we are going to work with sort of a pressure plate type of thing or you step on the wrong brick in it, you know, how do we spring that on players? Yeah, what if it's um what if it's like a less Okay, I, I'm I'm thinking through that. Like so I guess the the way that I've handled that is sort of like there is usually like somewhat of an area that is the pressure plate, right? So like the the game or the module might say it's like it's this exact spot, like if they don't hug the left wall, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, they're gonna they're gonna hit it. But it's it's sort of like the you know, give them enough hints for um for knowing that there might be something there. Like, I mean, yeah. If anyone does any sort of investigation check, it's like, oh, you can notice that there's yeah, dirt, you know, like you know, like a dirt path kind of going around this area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of stuff. So you, you give them enough hints and less like, oh, you move through the wrong space. Like, you know, take, take D, D10 damage, 1D10 damage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like going back to this, this, this idea, like, I wonder if it's like there are lights in there, um, but like they, they're slowly getting overloaded. Right. So like you, you turn on the, like, there's some way for you to turn on the lights in this hallway. Um, but then you need to move quickly. Right. And like, so you can give them hints and stuff like, you know, the lights building, right. Like it's, it seems to get even brighter and brighter in here, you know, as you're, as you're walking down this hallway, um, like, and then it's like starting to blind you and that sort of stuff. And then if they, they spend too much time in this hallway, like that's the trap is like all of a sudden all these lights overload and just start firing off lightning bolts, <laughs> bolts at them. Interesting. So yeah. why do they need to use this art of this lighting system for the hallway? Why aren't they lighting torches or, or casting light spells of various types? Yeah, um, I don't think they, they don't need to, right? So, like, a good trap can sort of be avoided, I think, as well. So, like, they could just walk down, but maybe there's, like, a pretty obvious way to start this off, right? So, it's there's a light switch. <laughs> you know, some sort of switch, or there is a pressure plate that they accidentally step on, you know, that does light it up, or it's, you know, some sort of motion-activated spell, something like that. You know, so you could get around it if you wanted to, but um, if you trigger it, then there's somewhat of a, t- a countdown that has started. Okay. I kind yeah. of I kind of like that because I, I don't know, I'm intrigued by the idea of just letting the PCs flip the switch because it's there mm-hmm. mostly. Um, yeah. yeah, they don't know that they don't need to flip the switch, right? Mm-hmm. But having done so, that then they need to move quickly before the lights turn into lightning bolts. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, okay. and then I mean, in game, you could probably there could be other ways to to protect themselves from those lightning bolts. Like maybe they do want to camp out there. Like maybe you put a treasure chest in the middle of it, <laughs> in the middle of that hallway, or they could might find some clever way to use that. Maybe they lead an enemy back um, through, through the area. You know, I, there. I really like the idea of putting a treasure chest in the middle there because it's one thing for the PCs to be able to get through the tunnel alive and to say, mm-hmm. we made it, we figured it out. We beat the timer on the lightning bolts. But I do kind of like the idea of, of, Forcing the PCs to come up with their own solution for how do we how do we survive in here long enough to open this chest? Because yeah, and I think the GM probably doesn't even need to have a solution. Just let the PCs come up with some concoct some way that they can do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they get the rogue out there in the middle and somehow yeah, <laughs> like cloak it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they come yeah. up with something stupid and awesome. Yeah. So. Okay, so okay. that's the first trap. It's a long passageway with a chest or something else, some time-consuming reward uh, in the mm-hmm. middle of it. And then, um, yeah, the uh-huh. illumination turns deadly if they're there too long. So then yeah. they bypass that and they get to the next inner sequence of devious traps, which mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah. I mean, this is probably going to have to be some sort of lab, right? 
the the laboratory in the <laughs> sure. in the technomancer's dungeon. Okay. Uh, yeah, like what would be uh, what would be something good to happen in there? I mean, maybe maybe this would be a good spot to have have like a logic puzzle trap almost, mm. right? Like a you know, <laughs> drink the right potion to get through the door, you know, mm-hmm. like the Alice in Wonderland setup. Yeah, or some some other idea. I guess. Yeah, what are you thinking? Like, what do you, what jumps to mind when you think about uh, a not well thought out idea? But I was, you know, what if one one of the PCs, one or more, has a chance of getting trapped by something? Ooh, okay. In the room, so it's a, a physical trap, like a, a cage locks around them, or mm-hmm. um, yeah. What if there is just a part of the room is a giant cage, and Again, something enticing in there, or some some sort of reason they might want to go in there. Um, oh, how about this? Okay, so what if <laughs> what if there is a, a giant cage, but that's where all of the the technomancers like stuff is inside of this cage, right? Okay. And so like whatever it's experimenting with, it it needs a safe way to like, yeah, they need a safe way to like hide out, right, from from whatever they're experimenting with. So they have this cage in the corner that has all like all their books and you know their desk and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So if someone steps in there, right, it like the cage automatically locks, right? So it's super enticing to go in. And then otherwise there's you know a bunch of like disused robots and stuff in the room. Yeah. That may that maybe come to life once once that cage locks. So so okay, so just to reiterate, there's a little mm-hmm. chamber somewhere in this room that's sort of like the necromancer or the dungeon lord's uh mm-hmm. secret stash of stuff. And it's yeah, insulated it's pretty, and like, it can be sealed and it will auto seal itself off from the rest of the chamber, like to protect the necromancer while he directs his experiments or something, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so the PCs can get locked in there. I I like that idea because a it'd be fun to lock them in there and have monsters spring out and attack everybody else while one of them, mm-hmm. one or more of them, are stuck in there. Two, yeah. they're probably stuck in there with some awesome stuff, but yes. they wouldn't have any idea what they're dealing with, and so you would mm-hmm. just be encouraging. I don't know. That's an ideal place to have a a sweet random table for like, what do you find when you root through the necromancer's chest? Right. Yeah. yeah I like that. That's, that's really fun. Yeah. Cause then you can, yeah, you can split the party. Like maybe that's either a cage or like a little side room that has like a, a window looking into the main room. Yeah. I, something like that. I yeah. think it, they, uh, the people trapped inside need to be able to see what's going on in the main chamber mm-hmm. because that's more exciting. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right, so they get trapped in there, and then you know some robots and stuff spring to life, yep. like to, to run run like the last experiment that this <laughs> this technomancer was doing. And of course, the experiment was like kill everything in the room or like fight each oh, other. Oh yeah, or something I mean like that. that's yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The only type of experiment he runs is like here's a crazy abomination I just made. Let's let's just turn it loose. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and then that's a really fun yeah thing for the GM to get to describe whatever the heck these things <laughs> yes. look like. Uh, I'm just picturing uh, Rock'em Sock'em robots, but like, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. The tone of your abominations will vary. If you're, if Chris is jamming your game, it's Rock'em Sock'em robots. If, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If other people uh, with more of a horror bent were running your game, it might be worse. But we won't. We won't yeah. go into that. So. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So let's come up with the the last one then. Um, okay. So okay. So you you make it through the hallway. You make it through the like this chamber, and then maybe there's um, some sort of like last trap before before you actually go meet the techno the technomancer and its cool mech that you're going to steal. <laughs> yeah. So let's think. So our first trap is a is a pretty deliberate trap. It's set mm-hmm. there. It's intended to to hurt you. I li- I really like the second one because the PCs kind of create their a trap for themselves out of 
just mm-hmm. features in the environment that weren't really intended for that purpose. Yeah. I feel like this last one would be something where the necromancer's like, okay, I've really got to set something, a doozy of a trap up here, because if they've gotten this far, they're pretty powerful and smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one's going to be deliberate, and this one's going to be, and this one should be pretty brutal, I think. Uh, although yeah. not inescapably so. I mean, you mentioned earlier, like the, you know, pit full of molten lead. <laughs> I think I kind of like that idea. Like, what if you, what if you're just walking through a room and like the whole floor drops out, right? And then it's like, you know, so yeah, the whole floor drops out um, or it's like the trash compactor or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So if you were, if you were a Dungeon Lord, Chris, pretend that your goal <laughs> really was to truly murder someone who stepped into the room like what are some oh, okay. things you might do um wow i've never been given this amount of power, i know you but yeah yeah just uh you know how would you how would you set up your house chris if you had to yeah if you if you really wanted the room to be both accessible um accessible for like you to walk across uh-huh. but then also for them for like anyone else to uh to run into trouble you know, and then also with the thought that it's not always going to be like a manned room, right? Like you're yeah. not always going to, you're not always going to be there. You want to always have a lackey or something in there. Yeah. And let's I, just say something. It can't be, you need to be confident that you will not get dumped molten lead on, right? Like, so yeah. it has to be something that's not too uh, flimsy. Yeah. I think there is, there's some sort of path in between, right? So I think there is like, if you just go from door A to door B directly without, without like, you know, going off the five foot path or something like uh-huh. that, you're totally fine. Um, if you, if you do though, like then, then the whole floor drops out, the whole thing fills with molten lead, like something, something terrible happens. So I think like, I think that's, that's the route you give yourself. Right. And there's probably a key as well. Right. So we, there's a key hidden somewhere in this place too. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you have, have to use to unlock, um, in there. So, but I think then you create you put all sorts of other things that are pretty tantalizing then off on the other, you know, yeah. like off of the, the happy path. Yeah. Um, including maybe there is just like the mech that you're after, right? There's like a, a copy of one of those, sure. <laughs> those in the corner or something like that. Um, but yeah, so I think you do that, like maybe you have some treasure, lots of like enticing looking books, like anything, maybe you have stuff that any sort of adventurer would, would really want. Yeah. Maybe even, a fake version of whatever probably drew the PCs down here. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were down just to kill the dungeon master, but the dungeon Lord mm-hmm. here, but I don't know. What if the Ruby of Sharndala or whatever is, yeah. you've got a fake over there in the corner and it looks pretty convincing. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you could, you could just, you could really play with that. Like, so whatever, whatever your particular party wants. Yeah. I think you have fake copies of it over there. Yeah. So then I think, I think so if you go off of that, path then and maybe there's like i don't know you don't you want to set it up such that like you wouldn't make a mistake right so it's just like okay just you're not gonna have something you have to jump over or something like that so they go off then i think the thing that happens is like bedlam right like so the floor drops out there's some sort of like laser turret system you know or like (laughs) you know like there's (laughs) zombies at the bottom of the pit something like that um you might want to like set it up so they don't die immediately because yeah. you want to question who these people are right like so i think the pit it's like yeah big pit it's going to do a lot of damage to you but maybe you'll you'll survive enough that you can be questioned later um and then at the bottom of it then maybe that's where you have like a i don't know like your your robot crocs <laughs> crocodiles <Yeah>. there <laughs> circling around yeah i i agree with you i so i think if you want to be a little more realistic quote realistic Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would you it would drop you into you know a pit that you 
that that you would maybe break your legs but leave you immobilized for the dungeon lord to come yeah. and interrogate you. Yeah. Uh, but you you really you don't want PCs dropping into molten lead and dying instantly. You know, it's yeah. more fun if they drop down to like the the sub 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 level of the mm-hmm. dungeon of the facility and have to make their way up and. Uh, you know, I, I suspect you've played plenty of, uh, you know, video games that do this where you're running mm-hmm. towards the goal and then they drop you down and you're like, oh man, yeah. I had to get through this level. But, you you know, DMs could do whatever they want with that. And if they want to hasten a confrontation with the Dungeon Lord, he could just come to mm-hmm. gloat over them while they're at the bottom of the pit. And then the PCs would, of course, pull something out of their hat and turn the tables yeah. on him. Or you could just have that be, this is how you get to this other cool part of the dungeon that I designed that mm-hmm. you'll have fun exploring, right? Yeah, like what if it's a uh, quicksand, right? Like so, there's like quicksand at the bottom. Oh, I think yeah. that's always good. Yeah, so it's quicksand. So like you're stuck in quicksand, and then the like the yeah the technomancer comes out and he's like, I got you, <laughs> I got you, adventurers. <laughs> like now you have to listen to my plan. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then I mean, I think yeah, you can. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So I think that that might do it for us. I think that's yeah. a good series of traps. You know, obviously, so you can get around all of them, and then at the end is your is your actual prize. <laughs> there too yeah is there anything else that you might want to throw into this before we wrap up i don't think so just that i'm you know i am a fan for the like hey there's a uh body of a skeleton of a previous adventure here who and his arms are both chopped off as if by a big spinning blade you know what is that what does that tell us about the environment we're about to enter you know i'm a fan of that sort of thing and clues like you know in that last chamber the pcs are examining the floor they can see a well-trod path directly Mm -hmm. from one door to the other which is the safe path you know and it's not enough probably to make them i don't know it might it might not be enough to actually cause them to change their actions but it would make them look back at it and be like oh man you know that was what that was for of course Mm -hmm. which is a fun sort of way to be to be duped yeah i think even with that um yeah, with that last room. I mean, right, so you, you could imagine there being, like, a a carpet sort of going across, like a runner. Yeah. Between between the two doors. And it's like, if they peel that up, they can see, like, the the um, exact point at which, like, the, the floor is going to pull apart oh, yeah. or drop uh-huh. drop out. It's just, like, it's underneath there, right? You know, so, like, if you just took, if you took any time to look, you would have seen, right? So, like, maybe, yeah, it, like, falls open, you're in the quicksand and stuff, and then that, like, uh, you know, that runner also lands <laughs> down there, too. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we've got our DV sequence of traps. If you use these or if you adapt them in one of your games, please uh, write to us and let us know because we like hearing about that. So we heard oh, from, yeah. uh, from from a listener a little while ago who used that uh, creepy, that weird bookshop we created in a game. That was Ooh. super gratifying to hear. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah, that was a couple couple episodes ago. Yep. Um, yeah, I like that, that bookshop. And I want to run that bookshop too. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, any closing Our- thoughts, Chris? No, I think that was good. Um, I really like this. Yeah, so like Andy, Andy mentioned, right, you know, please write in if you use any of those things. Or um, if you have, uh, like, ideas for the table, we're always we're open to those as well, um, too. You can find our contact information. If you just go to the, the website, gmdiscussions.com, and then there's a contact page, which has our, our email addresses. You can reach out that way or any other way that you know <laughs> know how to get, get to us. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening. Um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao, and let's not forget to mention the podcast uh media empire that oh right yes i totally forgot yeah 
Um, yeah, so Roll for Topic has been part of the Roll for It media podcasting network conglomerate. Um, we really got to figure out like the last, <laughs> the last yeah. couple of words there. Yeah, so the, the, the Roll for It uh, podcasting network. Um, yeah, so our f- sister show, uh, The Splat Book, is on the network as well. Uh, yeah, you can go listen to that at that, thesplatbook.com. It's super fun. And I think I'm actually going to be on the next episode that they release. Um, we're doing a little actual play, which should be fun. So, Did you do your best to sabotage it to, I guess, mm. take out a competitor podcast? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are uh, yeah, gripped in an epic battle to see who will be the last podcast <laughs> remaining yes. yeah, on the network. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that reminder, Andy. But uh, yeah, I've been Chris Salzman. I have been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. 